everybody to the podcast where we explain people. I want to introduce everybody to Sarah Henderson. Sarah is my co-host on my Explain People podcast, and there's lots of great stuff on that. If if you're looking for more help or answers, then I said, Sarah, you got to come co-host the call with me. So thank you for being here tonight, Sarah. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited to be here just because um, I'm going through all this too. You know, I don't have any of the answers just because I've worked so much with you, but every little tip I get helps, helps with the daily grind for sure. Good. And, And your husband is working from home. You're working from home. The kids are all there. Yep. Yep. So I think the biggest thing changed for me has been that, um, I don't have any of my, you know, downtime or alone time, which isn't usually a big deal for an octagon. Right. But I feel like when everyone else is gone, at least it's work time is work time, but now the day is all time. So it's always family time, always food time, always cooking time, always homeschooling time and always working time. You know, so it's like, there's no schedule anymore. And that's, I think that's probably true for a lot of people who are working and you know, trying to work at home and homeschool and maintain yeah. family life and everything. So it's a different dynamic. It's a lot. So you mentioned that you're an octagon. If anybody thought, what the heck is she talking about? It's because one of my programs is called the 12 shapes. And we're going to talk a little bit tonight about it, but it's, Actually, I've been hearing from a lot of people, it's been a fun thing to do with the family while everybody's home together to go to 12shapes.com and figure out what shape everybody in your family is. And it is kind of a game changer as far as getting along with them and making it easier to get along. But listen, what I, I plan to do tonight, uh, at least at the, at the start, and then I'm hoping some of you will have some questions so I can help you more directly. I want to talk a little bit about the anatomy of a conflict and the kind of things that trigger us and start these issues, especially at a time like this, but it happens all the time everywhere. If you guys noticed, if there's people, there's inevitably going to be some offense or someone's going to feel disregarded and, and this kind of stuff is just part of human nature. It's going to happen. But I think there's some things that I could share with you tonight about how you see those experiences and your ability to understand accurately what's really going on when somebody gets offended or slighted, insulted. I want you to understand what's really happening so that you can respond in the best way possible. The the reason we want to do this is because we know we're going to get triggered. All of us are going to have moments where somebody will do something that bothers us. Our ability to not get triggered by somebody else who is triggered is what then exacerbates the problem is that well now you got mad because you feel slighted but you attacked me over it so now i feel mistreated and and now i'm out of balance too if you can yeah i think uh, well right now remember well, you and i had talked i think on our last podcast i don't think it's out yet but how this is like day to day. Yeah. We're all going to get triggered every now and then whatever, but this is a different situation, right? For a couple of reasons. It's the people that we love that are close to us that sometimes, first of all, trigger us the most. And second of all, we're all triggered with that fear of loss right now because we're all losing stuff. So can you talk about how that, that fear of loss is like, 
so rampant right now because the I, examples that you gave before were um, we're all losing our our time. Some of us are losing our money. Some of us are losing. You know, there's this huge fear of loss right now. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah, we're even afraid of losing our loved ones. I'm I'm yeah. scared for my parents, my grandparents. Um, so real quick, let me just remind everybody, if, if you've followed my column on KSL very often, you know that I talk all the time about the two core fears. And the reason this principle is so important that we talk about it this often is it just makes human nature so easy and simple to understand. All bad behavior, when we're, we're out of sorts or offended, one of the two core fears or both of them have been triggered in you. And that is what brings out your bad behavior. So fear of failure has always been the easier one to understand. And we all have it. Every human on the planet does battle to some degree every day with this fear they might not be good enough. And it makes us really sensitive to feel insulted, criticized, or judged. And, and if you're out there and you know, you know, you worry a lot about what people think of you. And you can kind of be a, a people pleaser to some degree. Um, and, and when you get feedback or someone gets mad at you, it's painful experience. You can recognize that you've got a lot of fear of, of failure issues in you. And in the 12 shapes, as you, as you learn about your shape, you, you will find that you're either dominant in fear of failure or fear of loss. So I'm an arrow and I'm fear of failure dominant where Sarah's an octagon and she's fear of loss dominant. And, and it's, it, it helps you to understand the other person and what gets them out of balance. So you can pretty much promise that anytime you see me out of sorts, it's because I'm afraid I'm not good enough, just got triggered. Uh, it, it's either going to be a rejection or criticism or you don't, you know, you don't like me or something. That's, those are the things that will get to me. And, and your core fear is almost like an open wound is how I often describe it. And so someone could barely brush up against that and it's going to hurt you. And so for me, fear of failure is the open wound and I can be easily hurt there and easily triggered. So fear of loss. Obviously, there's, there's easy to understand losses like losing people, losing money, those types of things. But it's a loss whenever things aren't the way you wanted them to be, whenever you feel mistreated and you should have been treated better than that. Any slight, any, any feeling of being taken from or, or gypped, you're, you're experiencing loss. I even get loss if I'm stuck on the freeway and I'm gonna be late to a meeting and this is not what I wanted and I'm stressed. I'm having a loss experience because this isn't what I wanted. So Sarah, you're exactly right that all of us are already experiencing loss right now. And we're afraid, how long is this gonna go on? What else are we gonna lose? And so you, you've got all of us confined at home together already kind of triggered and we're going to be especially sensitive to other slights. When you're already fear of loss triggered, you're, you're almost gonna have mistreatment glasses on. And so anything your family members do that trigger more loss in you, uh, it, it's gonna be right at the surface. That open wounds, again, gonna be super easy to trigger. So 
if you find yourself somebody that you're not as much a doormat, you don't worry that much about what people think, but you do need control over situations to feel safe. And you often do get offended by other people because you feel mistreated or slighted, then you're probably a fear of loss dominant person. So Sarah, does that make sense? Or would, would you say anything else that I've missed just understanding the two core fears? Um, I think just a reminder that everybody has both of those fears. Um, I definitely still have fear of failure, even though I'm fear of loss dominant. And I think fear of loss is a little more tricky to recognize than fear of failure can be. Um, but I think you said it well when you said um, when you're not getting what you want. And I know that for me, when I'm not getting what I want, I trigger and go into defensive mode, victim mode, poor me, um, you know, and so that unbalanced state, I can really feel it. And um, I think just recognizing that we're there can help us come out a little easier or maybe um, not take everything so personally at this time because you know that everyone's there. Yeah. Um, I also just, I'm going to introduce you, doc, uh, Coach Dr. Dennis is on the line. Okay. And um, Dr. Dennis is one of my certified coaches. Do you remember, do you know what shape you are, Dennis? Oh, he must be muted. You must have muted yourself because it doesn't I, show I did, me. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just realized I never had gone in and, and so when you're saying, you know, it might be fun to do that as a family, we actually need to, yeah, you guys need to go to and do that. Which fear are you dominating? That'd be, that'd be an interesting discussion. Which fear? I'm fear of loss. Yeah. Dominant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and your wife's nodding her head. Yep. He is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a failure. Okay. So. And you know what? We most often marry somebody with the opposite core fear. And it, it's opposites do attract, I find. Most of the time we've married someone with the other core fear. And, and what's interesting is we're attracted to it and then it drives us crazy because we don't get it. Why do you get insulted so easy? I don't do that. Yeah, but you get offended so easy and I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, your wife's like, yeah, we know this already, <laughs> how this works. Um, so I kind of want to give you sort of the anatomy of the kind of conflict that we're starting to see in a lot of families. Um, I heard the other day, I've got uh, some clients, the husband's a square, and so he's fear of loss dominant, and he's getting really worried about money. And, you know, things have been scaled back. And so there's a, a lot of fear of loss. And I, and I think for a breadwinner in a family who's already fear of loss dominant, you, you're probably also adding some failure into that because not being able to support your family is going to be a very failure experience. So if he's already experiencing fear of failing and losing, he's going to be more on edge. And he's going to be more sensitive to noticing other slights. And, and it was simply something where they had put leftovers in the fridge and nobody ate them and they went bad and it just had to be thrown out. And he was pissed. What, why did you guys not eat this? Why do I, I spend the money on these groceries and you guys just waste the food. And he kind of attacked 
his wife about this food going to waste. And so what happens, especially if you're a fear of failure dominant person and you just got attacked and, and that's dagger to the heart. You, you just basically told me I'm horrible. I'm this horrible person because I wasted, I did this thing wrong. And, and if I allow myself to be triggered by that, what tends to happen with a fear of failure dominant person when they feel criticized is they're going to pull back because you are not a safe place. Talking to you is not a safe place. I'm, I'm going to end up feeling worse. So I'm going to pull back in, in the relationship a little bit. And when a fear of loss dominant person feels that person now on top of everything else you did, now you're pulling back from me. That's more loss. So, that the interesting thing when your fear of loss dominant you'll speak up about it too so now you're even more offended because your spouse is being distant and when you bring that up that's going to trigger fear of failure again even more in her and this is kind of the the type of vicious cycle that we start to see and i know that this kind of thing happens in every home there's this perfect storm in almost every marriage. Now, the first thing I want you to know about these situations is you, you hear me use the phrase all the time that life is a classroom. It's not a test. Your value is not on the line, but it is a classroom, which means every day there's gonna be lessons. And we marry our perfect teacher. And that perfect teacher is going to be the person who's going to push your fear triggers so that that fear comes out so that you can recognize what your issues are and work on them. And, and so when this type of thing happens, your ability to step back, first of all, and say, okay, this is school today. The, the school of the universe just came into session and this is today's lesson. I've been triggered. And this is my fear of failure stuff. And I have to tell you, I've had this fear of failure since I was a little kid, long before my spouse ever came in the picture. And, and your fear of loss, dominant people, you've had your fear of mistreatment before this person came into your life. This is your issue. And so if your fear just got triggered, we've got to talk about how you're going to deal with that. And I'm going to teach you tonight some ways to be responsible for your fear trigger. And for example, I, I told the husband, okay, when you went to the fridge and you saw that, you may not have been able to stop the reaction of loss and the anger that just boom showed up. But because you know that your fear of loss dominant, your number one job is recognizing when when you feel unsafe because loss has been triggered and you know that brings your bad behavior out you've got to be able to stop yourself in that moment and and recognize this is my issue this is not really about the food this is my fear of not having enough to meet the needs of my family and then i'm going to fail and we're not going to be taken care of you're, you're in fear and, and directing that at your spouse and attacking somebody else at, is not the right way to handle this. So the first thing I want to do tonight is to talk about how to get in control of ourselves when we've been triggered. It's your responsibility. If you know you just blew up and behaved badly, you got to step back and, and look at this. 
And then I also kind of want you to know what to do when somebody does get triggered and they're freaking out. They didn't see it. They didn't control it. They're, they're out of balance and they're attacking you for you to be able to see that accurately. And so I'm going to tell you a couple principles of truth here tonight that you might want to write down. So the first one is whenever somebody's behaving badly, it's not really about you. Even when they attack you and it looks like it's about you, it sure feels like it's all about you. It's not. It's about their fear about themselves. They're scared for themselves. They're scared of their own failure, their own loss, and they're projecting it at you. And one of the people that we project those things on the very worst is always our family. And, and I was talking to a mother the other day whose daughter's been just ripping her to shreds through the quarantine. Uh, you know, you realize it's almost a compliment. She unleashes that projection on you because she knows you're not going anywhere. You're somebody who she can, she can be afraid with and, and you'll, you're still going to love her. So it's kind of a compliment, even though you wish they wouldn't do it. But for you to be able to recognize that this person is having a fear issue and this is about them. So what that really means when someone's behaving badly, this is a request for love and reassurance. What they actually need in that moment when they're having a fear of loss or a fear of failure issue is love and reassurance. Now, I'm not telling you that it is easy to give love and reassurance to somebody who's attacking you. It's hard. Would you agree, Dr. Dennis? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> really hard. Yeah. Um, so don't think, oh yeah, Kim thinks this is just a piece of cake and I should just be able to do this. No, this is going to be a practice. This is going to be something we're going to work on. But I have to be honest with you. I think lifelong it's practice. Most, yeah, a lifelong practice. And, and I think it's one of the main things that we're here to learn. So you're going to get a lot of chances to practice it because you're going to get attacked by others all the time. Um, Sarah, how have you experienced this? Because you've been doing this with me. I've been teaching this stuff to you for a couple years, a few years. Are you starting to be able to recognize when your spouse gets triggered that it's not about you? Um, yeah, and vice versa. I'm also able to recognize when I've been triggered and choose how I'm going to either react and react poorly or respond and, and respond in a better way. Um, and it just happened last week because we've been home a lot together and I definitely, um, can recognize it. I'm not sure I can always stop it for me when I get triggered. Sometimes I still react poorly and then I have to go and find a way to apologize. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely. I can see um, when not just my husband, but people at work as well, when I'm being attacked, I can now look at them and go, huh, that's a really interesting place that they're coming from. I wonder, you know, sometimes I even go, I wonder what their childhood was like, but not even that far back. But yeah, it's a little bit easier to just, uh, I guess, be a little bit more curious about where this is coming from and where the attack is coming from. Is it really about something that I did or is it more about what they're worried about? 
Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, a secret couple questions to ask somebody when they're attacking you over something like that. Okay, cool. Um, now, if you know which fear they're dominant on, it would help. But if you don't, you're gonna ask both questions. So, if my husband had found something in the fridge and gone ballistic over the food, I I would have wanted to very lovingly come up and say, honey what is it behind this that has you so stressed or worried? What are you really worried about here? Because it's not really about the leftovers in the fridge, not getting eaten. What's the bigger issue that has you so concerned? And give them a chance to really look at for themselves, what is going on? Why is leftovers making me that mad? They need the opportunity to step back from it and go, okay, yeah, you know, it's just money. It really is. I'm scared that we're not going to have enough. Well, when they get a chance to express what it really is, then you've got the perfect opportunity to reassure and validate, or at least say, I'm in it with you. What, what else do you think we could do together, you and I, against this problem that the fear is really about? So it, it no longer becomes us against each other, but you and I against this concern that we have that we get to work together to solve. Um, now, if your person is fear of failure dominant, you, you might ask them, you know, what, what is it, what is behind this that has you so worried and afraid? And often it'll be more that I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna make enough money and you guys will be disappointed and I'll let my family down and that will mean I'm not good enough. So maybe it's a failure issue that's behind it, it's not a loss issue but you know it will be one of those, or it will be both of those, which is often very possible, especially right now, these days. Hey, Kim. So, yeah, Sarah. What about doing this preemptively? Do we have to wait till someone explodes at us, or could we approach them with those kind of caring feelings before? That is a great idea. Let's have some time since we've got it with our family to just ask questions about what worries them the most right now. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard for them to put their finger on it. Today, my husband was kind of like standing in the backyard on the deck, catching some sunshine and staring out into space. And I was like, are you okay? You know, and he was, you know, and he just, it took him a little minute to respond, but he was like, yeah, you know, I think I'm good. But um, it wasn't even a really complicated, what can I do for you? Or how can I show up for you? It was just like, you okay? And before it explodes, and I think, you know, that's just a tiny piece of compassion. It's really that you can do. So it one of my favorite questions to ask people that are going through a hard time is what's the worst part of this for you? Mm. I think sometimes giving them a chance to actually go, what, it, what is it? for me, what is the worst part of this for me, helps them to recognize um, what might be putting them on edge ahead of time. Yeah, that's an interesting one, I love that. It's usually the things that they most need to talk about, but they didn't realize it until you asked the question. So that would be a great question to ask. Okay, now I wanna backtrack a minute, and I wanna make sure that we're teaching you how to keep your own fear issues in check because that is actually the only thing you truly have any control over is yourself and, and when you're feeling triggered. And, and there's a way to take those two fears and to get yourself feeling safe and okay in any moment. 
So tonight I want to take a minute and really teach you guys how to do that. So we're going to start first with fear of failure. Since that's my core fear, <laughs> there's a lot of situations that can trigger that in me. And I need to know how to get out when I'm having that and, I, and I'm really afraid. So the belief that's the problem is this belief that I might not be enough. And you've had that belief since you were a little kid that I'm, I maybe need to be different than I am to, to be loved and to be as good as other people. And I think almost all of us can recognize where we've got some of that. We've got insecurities, things about our appearance or our, what we do for a living or there's people we feel are always judging us. So I want you to understand the mechanics of why you're afraid of that. And it's actually super simple. There's a, another belief, and I call it a foundation belief because it's underneath the belief that you're not good enough that's creating the belief that I'm not enough. And the belief that's really the problem is the belief that human value can change. Well, I know this might sound abstract, but think about it. You have always believed if you could just do better or look better, lose some weight, make more money, you, then you could finally feel good about yourself because you would earn more worth if you could just change some things. And if you believe that a human being can actually earn more value and actually kind of feel like they're better than other people, you also believe that you can lose some value. And if you can't lose weight and, or you lose your job or you make mistakes, you say stupid things, you'll, you feel like you're literally worse than other people. And this belief that human value is a changeable thing has created what I think is one of the most damaging beliefs on the planet. And that's the belief that people can have more value than other humans. And, and if you look behind all the problems on the planet, all the war and terrorism, racism, discrimination, all the, the divide in our country right now politically, it's all about groups of people who feel like they have more value or they're better than other groups of people. And this is the history of the human story, right? Based on religion or race or whatever, we see human beings as better and less. And the problem is, as long as you believe that that's possible, that some human beings have more value than others, no matter how hard you try to do better, you're always going to see people that feel like they're better than you. And you will always be afraid that you're not enough. And so the, what we've recognized after 25 years in personal development, trying to help people improve their self-esteem, and let me tell you, we tried everything. And none of it really worked. The only thing that works is if you change the principle upon which you base the value of all humans. And we found that if, you, if you're willing to change your belief and adopt a belief that all human beings have the exact same value and worth, and it cannot change, no matter how hard you work or how much weight you lose or how much money you make, you still have the same value as every other human soul on the planet. And no matter how many mistakes you make, um, I get to teach this principle every year at the juvenile detention center. And, and it's so fun to have these kids understand that, yeah, you made some mistakes, you're in jail. 
doesn't change your value. You still have the same value as every human on the planet because we have the same worth. And our worth comes from two things. One is our uniqueness. Because anything on this planet that's a one of a kind, that's the only one, is incredibly valuable. And you are a one of a kind, irreplaceable child of God. And I feel personally like we are all made by God. And that means we have God in us. God is part of us. That it's part of our nature. And because of that, we are the most valuable thing in the universe. We are, we, we are made of God. We are God's children. Human souls are the most valuable thing in the universe. And guess what? Those two things, your nature and your uniqueness, they never change. No matter what you look like today, no matter if you've lost your job or not, you still have the same value as every other human on the planet. Now, that concept, when I first teach it to people, they're like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. Um, but you don't really buy it yet that you're good enough. It's going to take practice of choosing this belief all day, every day. And, and I find my practice comes when I am tempted to judge another person. See, if, if you're going to accept this as your belief, as your truth, you got to give up judgment. You cannot stand in judgment. You can't say other people are bad and not good enough, but, but my value doesn't change. It doesn't work that way. It, it's all or nothing. So as I give up judgment and I let other people be valuable despite their mistakes, and the more I practice that, the more I get it that I'm the same too, that I have the same value, and I, there's nothing I can do to diminish my worth. And guys, if there was anything that you could do while you have this time with your family that would serve them the very most, it would be to practice this as a family. And it's really powerful when you get your kids involved and you ask them to monitor you and help you to learn this principle. So whenever I do something stupid, I want you guys to immediately remind me that that did not change my value. Uh, I hit something with my car a while back and I just died. I just, oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. Oh my gosh. And one of my kids said, mom, it didn't change your value. Oh yeah. I teach that for a living. Thank you for that reminder. <laughs> because I in those that. moments, the fear of failure is so big, right? It just comes in. So it's going to be a practice. It's something that you get to choose every moment of every day to believe that you're enough because you can't be anything but enough. So Kim, I just wanted to share where this has been really, really hard for me lately is in technology. And I see a lot of people like my age, like you can't remember your password or for some reason, some piece of technology isn't working and you're like, fine, I'm just too stupid to have a phone. And like, you know, throw the phone. And that's where I, that's where my son reminds me, mom, you'll get it. You're fine. doesn't impact your value. It was really funny. Um, but some wording that you also have given, I've heard you say before, like this concept you write is very new. When I heard it for the first time, I was like, could that really be true? And if it were, like it relieves the pressure a lot for me. Um, but you often say, um, play with it or get curious about it. And that's really helpful. Yeah, play with it is really what we have to do because we're talking about changing a very deeply held belief. 
that you've had your whole life. It's not going to happen overnight, but all of the materials we put out, the podcasts, the articles, the books, the coaching programs, all of our stuff is designed to help you internalize these principles so that you can live balanced and safe and you're not afraid you're not good enough. And you guys, I've been working on my fear of failure pretty hardcore for 25 years um, to, to make this really true in my life. And I have to tell you, every year, I just feel like this new level of courage to just be me and not worry about what people think and, and to do things, take risks, because I have the same value as anybody at the end of the day. So I can shoot high and I can try crazy things and, and I don't have to be afraid. And that's what I want for you. I want you to experience living with less fear because it's, it's amazing. So when I over and over say, how do you get out of fear? Step number one, you trust that your value can't change, that we all have the same value, okay? That's number one. So let's talk about how to get out of fear of loss. Sarah, you're more fear of loss dominant. So again, fear of loss comes from a belief that you're not safe. Basically, I'm not safe in the world. Now, one of the reasons that you believe you might not be safe is because as a small child, you watched bad things happen to people. Maybe bad things happen to you. Maybe you experienced abuse. And, and so it's pretty easy to buy into a belief that you're not really safe in the world. And part of the reason we believe that is because we see what goes on in the world as sort of random chaos. You see, as human beings, we've got all these people that can choose to do whatever they want, and their choices can affect us. Um, people over in China, made, some people made some choices, right? They got on planes, and they left that area, and, and, and other people's choices end up having consequences for my life, and in fact, can take from me, mistreat me, take away from the quality of my life. They could ruin my life. And, and this belief that other people's choices can, can take from me is really the core of this, this fear of loss. Now, what it means, though, is it means that everybody in your world is a threat to you because they can mistreat you, they, which, which takes from your quality of life. So, so we become really on guard to protect ourselves from all of these bad things. But it's kind of a belief in chaos that, that creates this fear that you're not safe. So one of the questions I've been asking myself for years and years is, but is the universe in chaos or is there order in the universe? Do things happen for a reason? Is there meaning and purpose in things that happen the way they are? And there's a lot of arguments for yes or no on that. Question. I know a lot of people who feel like some things were supposed to happen or meant to be, and then other things were random. And we don't know. Um, to be honest, there's no way to know. There's no source of ultimate truth about how the universe works that we can go to that can tell us for sure as a fact whether things happen for a reason and there's meaning and purpose or if it's just random and stuff happens. So 
Um, I know I talked on our last call a little bit about Viktor Frankl, but it was really amazing for me to recognize um, that you have this brilliant man going through this horrifying experience being a prisoner in the concentration camps. And he pondered that same question. Is this just random bad luck that I'm here? Or is there purpose and meaning in me being here having this experience? And after he pondered and pondered, he came to the same conclusion. There's no way to know if things are random or not. So what that, where that leaves us is that we get to have a belief. We get to choose how we want to see it. Now, he tried a couple beliefs on. He talks about, for a while, trying on the belief that it's all just random and stuff just happens and we fight our way through it and we lose, you lose. And he found himself getting more and more depressed. So he decided to try it the other way and, and really choose to believe that there was meaning and purpose in this experience, that this experience was actually here for him. It was here to serve him and grow him on some level. And he found that when he adopted that belief, it made him want to rise and do something with it. It made him want to get through it better and, and even turn it into a human achievement. So I find really day by day, we've got the same two options in front of us. Um, even facing this quarantine and personally right now, I am, um, I'm on 14 days complete away from all humans. And it's an interesting, interesting experience. The question is, is this just happening to me and it doesn't have any purpose or meaning or is this happening for me? Now, again, I can't prove either one is truth. So it's all about your perception and how you choose to see it. But when you choose to see the universe as having order and I even think, wow, it's like the universe knows what it's doing. And I really believe that the purpose of us being on the planet is growth. No matter what belief system you adhere to, no matter what religion or uh, life philosophy you take, at the core of it is that we're all on the planet to grow and to become a better version of ourselves. Um, I met uh, an interesting atheist recently that's an evolutionary atheist, and they were telling me that's still true for me that as a species, we're here to evolve and, and evolve to growth. And, and we get opposition, but often opposition helps us grow, even in nature. You know, um, there's certain plants and trees that they'll die if they don't face enough opposition. Um, I've heard about grapes that they grow for wine, those, those vines, and a certain amount of opposition makes the plants stronger and they do better. So it, it's, it's in the DNA of the universe, you guys, that, that things happen to help us grow. So if your fear of loss dominant and you experience a lot of feeling slighted and this didn't meet my expectations, it didn't go the way I wanted and I'm disappointed and frustrated, you're seeing the universe as against you. You're, you're seeing these things, this loss. It's, it's you're being deprived. You're having a deprivation experience. But, but are you really being deprived or are you getting 
the exact experience that you need to evolve and grow. So I know if you follow my column, you hear me say all the time that life is a classroom, not a test. And I use that phrase because uh, partly, if it was a test, then your value would change and you'd get graded on how well you did in life. If it's a classroom, there are no grades. This is just learning time. This is school, but this is not a test. This is learning time. And I really believe that the universe is bringing us individually the experiences that are going to be our perfect classroom. And often in the middle of them, we don't know how. We, we don't know right now how this pandemic is gonna be a blessing in disguise in some way for I think us as individuals and maybe for the whole planet. Um, Sarah, you're a big environmental person and, and we've talked about how this pandemic's positively affecting the, the planet. It's crazy. What have yeah. you seen? <clears throat> That has been really interesting because um, again, it's the same thing. You get to choose if you're going to look at this with um, love glasses or, or fear glasses, right? Because from the environmentalist's perspective, there's been reports from NASA where they can see the pollution over China and Italy has decreased. And there's some reports of uh, wildlife coming back into the canals and things like that in Italy, where there's less transportation and less boat traffic and less stirring up of the oceans and things like that. And so for me, like I, I have, I, of course, I see that as, um, you know, through love glasses. And I think that's amazing. And it's mother's nature's like slap in the face to um, consumerism, right? And I think that's great. Um, on the other hand, you can also see that with that, right, there's no boat traffic, there's no transportation, people, things aren't being made, people aren't working, there's no um, goods and services to provide. So then you can just tumble so quickly right back into that fear. But it's a balance because both both are happening, but there's some really there's some good things happening too. Um, I think it's true. <laughs> this one crossed my mind because I'm homeschooling schooling my son, and think about the appreciation for teachers that they haven't had for like the longest time, right? Teachers. Oh my gosh. I think teachers should make as much as football players. Like, oh, I got an eighty-five million dollar five-year contract this year. You know, right? Um, my appreciation for teachers has been like, how, oh, like, thank goodness for teachers. Maybe it'll just totally change the way we look at, you know, our school system and, and. Yeah, I'm, I'm appreciating the people working at the grocery store too. Yeah. I mean, the, the delivery guys and people. Yeah. Yeah. I've had actually some really high powered, important people say to me, you know, this has shown us who's essential and I'm not essential. Right. I'm not a s essential worker. That's an, that's interesting. What about like this, these janitorial staff that makes like 15 bucks an hour that are cleaning these hospital areas or businesses that have been contaminated, right? Like, oh, all of a sudden the janitor is an essential person. Well, if that doesn't tell you and identify your value or help you understand, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think the CNAs and the nurses need to be more appreciated and get make more money too. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? So what I want you guys to, to take away from this is whenever you get triggered with a loss experience, these are your two options. You can be in loss, you can feel taken from and lack and deprivation, and you can be out of shape and 
cause conflict. That's one option. Or you can say, okay, what if this is my perfect classroom today and this is happening for me? So I, I spoke to the husband that got upset about the food in the fridge. And, and I said, what if in that moment you were able to go, ooh, this is, this is my perfect thing. This happened today to help me look at, I'm having a lot of money fear, aren't I? I'm having some issues around this. This is here to teach me. And, and often you'll still want to ask your family, you know, to not waste food or whatever, but you're going to do it from a place of, of love and maturity and not petty fear immaturity. The way we show up when our fear has been triggered is not our highest best self. We're, we're unbalanced. So you guys, I'm going to break that down into these two simple things. Every time you feel triggered and unbalanced by something, and you know when it is because you're out of sorts and you're, you're ornery, you're going to practice choosing two things. One, I'm okay. My value is not tied to anything here. No matter what happens here, I have the same value as everybody else. So failure's off the table. And I'm going to trust that this is my perfect classroom. Whatever situation this is that triggered me, this is here for me. This is here to help me grow. This is a blessing for me. And I just want you to be able to step back with those two things. And really, you guys, if your value is not in question and your journey is always perfect, what it means is you're safe. You're safe. Now, that doesn't mean things are going to be easy and, and bad stuff happens. I cannot tell you how many bad things still happen, even to me, all the time. Um, they still happen, but your perception and the way you experience them will be different. You'll be able to see it from a perspective that will cause you to suffer less. Um, earlier today, Sarah and I were talking about my favorite quote from the Buddha is, it is your resistance to what is that causes suffering. So all of these things that your family, your teenager keeps doing that are irritating you, when you're bugged about it, you're resisting. You're not accepting this teenager is your perfect teacher today. He is here to bless your life with some growth and you, you being able to step back and go there is going to mean you handling the situation in a completely different way. Now, I, you guys, we've got 10 minutes left, so I want to open it up. If anybody's been sitting there going, okay, wait a minute, I got to ask her a question about some of this. This is your chance. And I hope you guys all know how to unmute yourself if you have a question and want to give it. If not, you could also type it into the chat window. Um, I've had a couple good uh, messages from Coach Dennis. Um, Dennis, anything else you were thinking that I, I missed I, or I could have explained a little better that you'd throw in here? No, some really good reminders you know, for me. Yeah, just. You know, oftentimes within the church, you know, you know, why do we, why do we go over the same things again and again and again? You know, why all the repetition? You know, and it's, it's these, these simple things, these simple principles that make such a huge difference 
when we keep going back and, and doing that, it, it's the foundation. And when we, when that foundation and remind ourselves, no, we really are safe because particularly right now where everything feels so unsafe, the more we can remind ourselves, no, you know, heavenly father, God really is in control and my value is not changing. I'm learning. He's giving me all these opportunities you know, to learn. Therefore I'm safe. That, that changes the whole dynamic you know, of things. And it lets you start to show up the way that you want to be. And the more that we can do that and, and share that and portray that with those around us, you know, we always talk about, you can't change someone else. But we can certainly invite somebody and create an environment that, that invites them to change and them to do better or, or want to be better. And we do that by going back to the basics that you just reminded us of. So thank you. Thanks. We appreciate that. Anybody else? Notion about inviting. That's great. So you can invite someone to, to play with it with you. You know, like be curious about it. Is it really happening for you or to you or for you. Um, and as long as you, you make them feel like this is you and me together against this issue, yeah. play with how we together could fix that issue. And I think better. the resistance thing, Kim, made me think of, um, we have so much downtime right now, right? Like I, I went through some of my old boxes and things and I'm finding old journals and old notes and things like that. And, and it really is important to, at this time, encourage your own brain to focus on um, what you want, not what you don't want, right? So I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to cook another meal. I don't want to do more dishes. You know, you have to turn that around to what you, you do want, right? That's part of not resisting what's happening. I, I get to go through all these boxes. I get to, you know, make healthy meals for my family, whatever it might be. Um, but you have to be really careful during these times to make sure that you're directing your mind to the positive focus. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, I just, I do want to kind of point everybody just some more resources because if, if you're hearing this and you're recognizing, yeah, I get triggered. Um, but it's gonna, it's gonna take some work to, to change that. We do have a lot of resources. Um, Sarah and I, our podcast, Explain People, is a lot of fun and teaches you a lot of this stuff. Um, if you go to 12shapes.com, there's also a lot of resources on that website, free worksheets. I was thinking if we had time, I was going to talk about the to be or not to be offended worksheet. Mm -hmm. And I just put that up on 12shapes.com today, and it's free, and I don't even ask for your email. I just let you download it. So um, it's a great worksheet. When somebody in your family's done something and your shackles are up and sit down and fill that out before you say or do anything about it. <laughs> it's going to help you step back and see their fear trigger and figure out the right loving response to this problem. And it's just so helpful to have a tool like that that you can, can go to. Um, also claritypointcoaching.com is my coaching company website and you can read about Dennis and, and I, and Sarah's a 12 shapes coach and we, I'm most proud of our whole organization because we can say that we've got a, a coach who will work for you no matter your budget. 
If you want some help to work on your stuff, to get more balanced and in control and out of fear, we've got someone who will help you. No matter what your budget looks like right now, we can find you someone to work for, with you. So um, you can learn more about the coaching at claritypointcoaching.com. Um, if you guys haven't read my book, Choosing Clarity, I, don't, I know I don't talk about it very often, but it teaches all of these principles. And even though I'm fear of failure dominant and I was just sure that book was not good enough, I hear from people all the time that it's really helping them work on these fear issues. So it's on Amazon. Anybody wants to go there? Um, any last question? Comment? Really want to serve you guys on this. If anybody's got something specific, we could help you with. Kim, I just want you to know that this is awesome and we're doing this for family home evening. Oh, awesome. Good. You've got the whole family there. Good. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. Well, listen, um, I last call, I gave everybody my email address. If you're having some issues in your home and you, you wanted to ask a question, but you didn't really want to do it in front of everybody on the call, um, drop me a line at coachkimgiles uh, at gmail.com, coachkimgiles at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you. I hear what you learned, what was helpful tonight. And if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss that would help your family, we would love to do that for you. All right. Sarah, thanks for being on tonight. Coming away no from your family. Thank you for being here. No All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week, next Monday.